Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and we are very glad you have come to be with us today. Don't know where you are and where you're listening from. If you've recently found us, please go to our website. It sings and dances and has all sorts of resources, but also it has an email, and it will tell you, saying, I'm new and I live all you have to do is say what city and state or country. We, we're, not, we're not making a list. Not, we just want to know where people are tuning in from. Seoul, Korea, Atlanta, Georgia, Texas, Illinois, Wisconsin. There's a contingency in England. So we want to know where you are. 32 countries of you listen to us somewhere at some time. And we just want to know where you are. Let us know. My husband and I have been talking because we recently moved from a much bigger house into a much smaller house. Now, I want you to know that both houses are still very ample and in any culture would be considered big. But it was our privilege the Lord had given us a property that we used a great deal for ministry. We had separate buildings, we had land, we had events. Uh, for decades, we used that property for people's weddings and parties and showers and events and forums from the seminary. We just used it. Now we have a smaller piece of property we're going to use also, but in a different way. And in the process of making the move, we discovered that we might even be considered hoarders when we recognized how many things we had tucked away in small places. And the very thing that I hoard the most, and I have a singular attachment to it, is paper, personal notes, things that represent something important, files. Yes, girls, I have electronic files. I also have hard files. Yes, I have three drawers, filing cabinet drawers of hard files. I'll tell you a little secret. I'm going to tell the whole world, okay? About 40 years ago, I decided that because someone had sent me a note that I had written them 20 years earlier. Of course, I did not remember that note. I wrote that note. I felt inspired to write that note. I often think the Lord says, write her, and I do, and I sent the note. And that person sent it back to me, and I was so inspired by that that I created files for people who I live with and love, and their names are on the top of a file folder, and inside are all sorts of treasures from, the, from all the years I've known them. So if I've known you for a long time, then you're close to me, then you got stuff in there, and your file is bigger than the other. Now we moved, and I have to stop that because... I'm at the age in life where I need to be stopping some things, and that's one of the things I'm going to stop. But before I stop them, I'm going to take it. My granddaughter and I are going to have a project. We're going to take the contents out and address an envelope and send them back to the people who I saved them for. I did. I've been saving them for them. That's what I've been doing, holding it in my heart. So in the process of that, I'm really getting excited because I know I'm going to look through those files and I'm going to find treasures and reminders about a life that I have lived. One of the things I found as I was preparing for these podcasts on home, and home is holy ground, in this pandemic time when home is everywhere. 
you're cooking in it, you're washing your vegetables in it before you get in, you're playing in it, you're singing in it, you're dancing in it, you're making videos and sending them off, they're being shown on television. The culture has seen what our homes can be converted into, a studio for broadcasting the news, and a schoolroom for all ages. That, that home is that. We're also receiving many more deliveries than we've ever had before. Groceries and supplies are flying through the Amazon warehouse and delivery trucks. I ordered my dried elderberries through Amazon. It came to my door so I could make my elderberry syrup, which I take for my immune system. No doubt most of you are doing the same. You're ordering way more things than you ever ordered before, and some of you have already been very good at it. Well, families migrate not only from city to city, but from house to house, often starting with a little love bungalow for two and graduating to a bigger place. At the other end of life, we start reducing it and going to smaller places, and that's where David and I are. But all of these places are holy ground, and all of them start with your yes. We talked the last time we were together about you, your place, and what holy ground means because you are at the center of it. I told you the story of my friend in Seattle, and I found in my file Cracker Boxes and Modern Life. This article is dated February 3rd, 1990. That's 20 plus years ago, and it's a story about the recent National Home Builders Convention, and they were discussing all things that modern homemakers wanted. I thought, we're modern homemakers, and we were modern homemakers then. What did modern homemakers then want they don't want now, or didn't want, or, or, or found it very interesting, or at least the thing home builders think homeowners want? such as huge master baths with twin sinks, flexible interior space, French doors with transoms. Do you have a transom at your house? If you live in the Midwest or Canada or England or France, you probably have a transom. I don't have a transom. We live in the West. Transom would be a very bad idea. More sunlight, more light coming in to heat up our already hot houses entertainment centers. Do you remember entertainment centers? We built them and put holes in old pieces of furniture so the TV and the phonograph, well, long-paying albums are back, but TV and entertainment centers are totally out of fashion. They don't, they, because why? Our 12 or 13 or 15 inch computer is our entertainment center and it plugs into a TV. Do you have a TV? Wherever your TV is, you can plug your computer into it. They were also talking about porches and square footage and prices and I was so struck with how different the world was. In 1948, okay, that's 70 years ago, a big house was 1,100 square feet and had one bathroom and two or two and a half bedrooms. Did you see that? And what are you living in right now? And what are you calling big or small? Twin bathrooms came in in the late 50s and early 60s. And now we think if every child doesn't have a bathroom in their bedroom, you know, they're, they're being abused. So what does home look like? Well, the practical side of home is migrating and changing. And today I want to talk, as I did, uh, the way you 
and your home and your heart is about making the home. Today I want to talk to you about what a home is and what it is not. What it is and what it is not. So here are a few things that it is not. Home is not a giant closet where possessions are stored, extracted, or dumped. I want to pause there because I think a lot of us have giant closets that we just, you know what part of it is we do? We hide things back there so we don't have to make a decision. And I want you to know that in this session, I'm going to talk about practical things with regard to your home. But I'm also going to recommend to you two things that are on our website. And right now, the Secrets to Getting More Done in Less Time, which is a four-hour video class and normally has a price tag on it. The price tag has been taken off of it during this pandemic, and it is free to you, and we hope you'll enjoy it. There's also a book in the same title, which I have written as a resource on your website. If this is a time that you're beginning to feel some conviction about what you do in your home and how you manage your home, and we talked a little bit about it in the early days of the pandemic about getting organized, but now I'm digging a little deeper. I'm wanting you to look around and assess what is home and what is, is not. Home is not a container for mechanical gadgets and household equipment. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big gadget person, except I love small handheld kitchen gadgets. Did you hear that? Small handheld. They're not electric, like the lime juicer and the zester. And it isn't enough to have a lime juicer I had a lemon and a lime juicer, and it occurred to me as I was packing up that limes are always smaller than lemons, and if the juicer works for a lemon, it will also work for a lime. But I love those gadgets. My home is not built just for me to buy more of them. We moved into a new neighborhood, and I recently went knocking on the doors closest to the neighbor's because we were having uh, the crane come in again, and we were having a dumpster delivered, and the porta potty was being put on the property because we we're making this last of the demo and rebuilds on the old house. So I knocked on their doors, and I met some of my neighbors with my mask on and so forth. And one of my neighbors I could see across her shoulder, she has a slot machine in her living room. And I, I just thought, how hysterical, because I've been thinking about this. Home is not an arcade full of high-tech toys to keep the younger generation out of their parents' hair. And I want to tell you that I stand here to tell you that I used my TV, not often, but enough that I remember thinking, if I do this here and that then, then I can put her in front of Sesame Street, between the hours of 3 and 4. And I would play my day on some days around that hour because she would sit and watch Sesame Street. And we were we bought all that. It was educational. It was academic. It was good for them. It, it probably was. But if we're using toys, high-tech toys, computers, to get our children out of our hair, then it isn't good. And I was adding extra things to my own calendar, knowing I had that free hour to catch up. Home is not a museum 
full of beautiful but untouchable objects where value has no relationship to the lifestyle of the people who pass through its doors. Guilty on so many accounts. It's been maybe 15 years ago and I met a new young woman in one of the ministry's meetings and uh, she wanted to meet with me and I said sure and I invited her, invited her to our home. As I just said, we used our home for lots of things. She walked in the door and she sat down. She's a very outspoken young woman. And she said, this feels like a presentation home. My producer's eyebrows just went up. I can't even tell you what my heart <laughs> felt when she said that. I went, oh no. Of all the things I've tried in my lifetime to protect from is that people would not feel welcome. Now, many years later, she and I had that conversation. She said, oh, I should have never said that to you. Your home is very welcoming. But this piece of museum full of beautiful and untouchable objects, that can happen as you begin to age. And women who listen to us who are not only moms, but grandmoms and great-grandmoms, they are precious things that we buy. They are precious things that we're given. They are precious things that we inherit. And they should not... It doesn't mean we shouldn't have them. Children should learn to respect another person's home when they're in it, but not that they would become the premier and most important part of your home. And lastly, home is not a hotel or a restaurant where maid services are provided and expected with an occasional gee thanks. Home is not a laundromat where kids dump their clothes and their mom is required to do them. Yes, when your children are little, but as I've told you many times, a two-year-old who's learning his colors can sort the laundry. Get your children involved. Don't be afraid for them to make a mess in your laundry room because, or ruin a piece of their clothing because they ran the wrong temperature, the wrong soap, or not enough in your washing machine. Did I give you enough of the yours? The laundry room is a place for teaching and training and doing wonderful things. My husband still says to me, I love that you wash my t-shirts. He, I fold his t-shirts and wash his t-shirts and put them in the drawer. And he goes to his drawer. He says, I never have felt like I, I won't have a t-shirt when I get there. Now, I have to tell you that I love doing the laundry. I like the laundry best of all things in the house. So he might find dust. He might not find dinner. He might find mold in the refrigerator. It, he might find a pile of paper somewhere they're not supposed to be. But laundry, I, uh, ironing, still ironing, washing laundry. Okay. So is that enough for you to look around? One more last bastion, and that's for you delightful women who have chosen to have two careers, a full-time mom, quote-unquote, and a full-time principal, administrator, and teacher of your own private school called homeschooling. When I say that sometimes to mothers who homeschool, they're shocked at me. Like, but then they quickly recognize that is exactly right. You are the administrator of that school. You have to get all the papers filed with the city and state and forms and, and test scores. And you have to keep grades and you have to record papers. And so you are the administrator and principal of your own small school. So if the school room is taken over the house, and I hear so many homeschoolers say, if I just had a room 
month. I just had a room. Well, let me tell you that I think it is better to turn any space into what we call a room than taking the whole house over with school. And I've been to some homeschoolers' home, and that's what it is. There are charts on the wall and blackboards on the wall and dining room tables full of books, and the whole house feels like a school instead of a home who is practicing homeschooling. So I'll get off your feet now. I'm going to give you some sweet things that I think home is. Home is a little picture of Eden, a place of practical beauty and a place of rest. It is a place where people know they belong there. And the Garden of Eden was changed by um, the course of Adam and Eve's choices. But in your home, I pray that you are making it a little piece of beauty and a place of rest, rest. And as I say rest, I hope that you're making the sleeping rooms a place where people can actually sleep. They have shades or drapes or protectors to give them some darkness and quiet, and that they are a place where you can go to sleep without having clutter. Most master bedrooms wind up being the dumpster. Um, the wife wants to get it off the dining room table or off the kitchen counter, and she dumps it into the master bedroom. Uh, my favorite stories are husbands who have written me and said, I don't know what you said, but our master bedroom used to have a desk the size of China, and it had papers and files and clutter and, and everything, and now it feels like a bedroom. We're going to do a session in this series about making your home a love nest, And so I'm not going to go into the bedroom, but I'm going to say to you, make sure that it is a place where you and your husband call it your own and do things in there that you don't do elsewhere. Home is a hospital. Home is a hospital where hurts are healed and hearts are mended. Do you ever think of yourself as a hospital? Do you ever think of yourself as a minister? A minister of the gospel, a minister to body and soul. It makes me cry when I say that. My daughter is 50 years old, so she's not being ministered by this mom, that's for sure. She has her own children to minister to. But I can remember like yesterday when I first recognized the cry of a broken heart different than the cry whose hand had just been cut. And it was late in the evening, and she had gone to bed, and we had done our bedtime rituals and songs and reading, And I left her room. Her dad had left the room, and she was alone. And I heard this cry back there. And I thought, that is not a broken finger. That is a broken heart. Remember that your home is a hospital and a place to minister. Home is a classroom where students and teachers learn. But I'm not talking about the homeschooling. I'm talking about the modeling of what adults do in front of children so children can figure out how to live their own lives. Home is also a laboratory where a lot of research is going and ongoing, a place where ideas are tested and valued, challenged, where scripture is examined and applied to life situation. And our dear friend Debbie Van Omen, who was an aeronautical engineer, who told us that she sent their two sons out regularly, she and her husband, on test flights. She said, I would send the kids out on what we call test flights. Okay, we told them what to do. Are they going to go and do it or not? They had two sons. She said, I remember the teenage years when we would say, okay, it's a test flight. Let him go to that party. And like we were gripped with, no. 
and sometimes they came back and they needed some test knobs altered. And sometimes they came back and had proven that that test flight had been a go. So remember that. Home is also a way station for pilgrims, a beacon of light for people who come, who are in need. And we're going to talk about how our home becomes a place of service in another show. But there's always room for one more. Is there always room for one more at your table? Is there always room for one more? We do not live in a time of deprivation, although the pandemic has certainly put deprivation on the tables of many homes in our country. But we are not living through the depression. We're not living through a time when literally a a loaf of bread had to last for days on end. And when a beggar would come to the door, families were notorious for opening the door and saying, come in. I've read stories and heard stories of children who, who looked at their mom and thought, will there be enough for us to eat? And the mom or the pop said, we will get by. We will have enough. Here is a person who needs us, and we welcome them in. I know this is a different culture. People don't knock on our doors, and sometimes they knock on our doors, as we've recently experienced in this uh, protest and riots and looting um, for wrong reasons. But it makes sure that your home is a way station for pilgrims. Home is an improvisational theater where everyone gets his chance to be on stage. I don't know if you ever do improv, but I do work as a spiritual director, and improv is the is the action of every encounter. I don't know what's going to happen. She doesn't know what's going to happen. God is present, and a lot of things happen that we just go through and we figure it out. Is your home a place for laughter and drama and clapping? No booing, but well done. Remember that every dinner table is a place to make a presentation. If there's a question to be asked and there's an answer to be given, that answerer is making a presentation. Home is a little church. We've talked about that before, where we train them up in the way they should go. Home is a little church, maybe the first church. It's a place where God is met. It's the first place they get to see God. We often speak of home being a little seminary in the first seminary. If you never take a seminary class where prayers are prayed and offered, where the word of God is read and tried to be understood. Home is also a workplace, a workplace. And I know we talk about it now as we've brought our work home from the office, but home takes work, right, mamas? And sometimes we get in the place where we think we have to do all the work. I want to say to you, you do not. Home is a school ground for training and teaching, but it's also a work ground where those skills are not only taught, but their duties are shared. My still favorite tool, my favorite tool ever, and I just mentioned it to a family who has teenagers, and now they're all at home, and they were wondering how to delegate the jobs, and the jobs were delegated in this manner, the same they did when they were little. I said, did you ever have a job jar? No. What's a job jar? I said, a job jar is all the jobs that need to be done. Now you're all adults. So the job jar is just as important. They still all need to be done. Everybody. And why was the job jar important when they were little? Because they had to learn then how to do everything. Did you ever have a kid who say to you, I always have to empty the dishwasher. I always have to take out the trash. Well, the job jar changes that. Lastly, home is a nest 
where the young are fed and protected and trained and loved. It's a place for maturing children who are bravely launched out into the wilderness in the way that God would have them to go. Home is holy ground. You are holy ground. And your yes to Christ makes his presence in you and your presence in your home. We're talking about conscious ways to make that ground of yours at home hallowed and holy. The beauty of the home is order. The blessing of a home is contentment. The glory of a home is hospitality. And the crown of a home is godliness. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it an uncommon day by making your home a place of holiness.